at Sastock Remote this March 22nd to 24th, 2,000 SAS founders, CEOs and execs just like you will come together and leave fully equipped with the ultimate how-to guide for SAS. Our lineup of expert speakers, including Chris Voss, Jeffrey Moore, April Dunford and more, will simply give you the answers to the how-to questions you've been Googling. Join the only how-to event in SAS. Register for free by visiting sasdoc.com forward slash remote dash 2022. look at the biggest tech companies and you know 90% of these are B2B SaaS all of them have become huge thanks to outbound sales all of them every single one of them uh, now of course that they're big and they have a big brand they have a decent amount of uh, like an insane amount of in, in, inbound uh, lead flow but outbound sales is, is how big companies get built so whether we like it or not it works Hey everyone, welcome back to the SaaS Revolution Show brought to you by SaaStock, the conference that helps SaaS companies get traction, growth and scale. I'm your host, Alex Thuma, and I'll be looking at what it really takes to build and grow a SaaS company today and how founders and entrepreneurs stay healthy on the journey. Now on with the show. Welcome to the SaaS Revolution Show, uh, Pep Leia, founder and CEO of Winter. How are you doing, Pep? I'm all right, man. Thanks for having me. Good, good. Where, whereabouts are you? Uh, are you based in Texas? Did I see that? Or I'm in Austin, Europe? yeah. Austin, Texas. You're in Austin. Okay. What brought you there? Uh, met a girl a long time ago. You know, Now, two kids later, here we are. Very cool, very cool. Still haven't visited uh, Austin. It's on the list. Uh, I know a bunch of people there, but uh, uh, I've got to make it. Obviously, last two years, I haven't really visited uh, many places. Um, mm. but, um, but yeah, we'll, we'll have to kind of change that uh, i was thinking it was either a woman or or uh you know barbecue or something like that uh, but uh yeah um yeah probably uh, possibly both uh, um there we go but uh pep um you know i've seen you speak at a couple of uh, SaaS conferences i've been reading you know on and off your your content uh you, you know for the last uh, kind of like few years um and uh i have been listening to your uh, podcast which is i think you, you know relatively sort of newish the How to Win podcast. But for those that haven't heard of you before, um, and maybe even for those that have, tell us a little bit about yourself. You know, who are you? Uh, and uh, yeah, let's get to know you you as a person uh, a little bit mm -hmm. more to start with. Well, I am a, I'm an entrepreneur. That's how I look at it myself. Um, I've, uh, I've been an entrepreneur since 2007. Um, and I've... Uh, Built three companies, CXL, Spiro, and and Winter, uh, and a, a lot of people know me through my work in the field of conversion optimization and experimentation. In uh, in 2011, I hopped on this emerging category and and built two two companies in that space, and uh, and you know positioned myself as as a leading, uh, I guess, a thinker, influencer in that space. Uh, did a lot of uh, framework innovation and a lot of work in that space. But then I got, uh, in, the, in the last few years, I got interested in other topics. So I've moved away from the, the experimentation space. And, and today I'm mostly interested in, um, I guess, broadly speaking, B2B strategy. So that's where, where I spend most of my th time uh, thinking about. 
Awesome. Uh, and that kind of helps me answer because I was I, I was looking at LinkedIn profile and, and you know, saw CXL, Sparrow, uh, Winter, you know, all three companies are currently running. Obviously, Winter is, the, I guess, kind of the newest one. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you're the CEO of well, two, Winter and mm-hmm. one of the other ones. And you're yeah, on the board. Yeah. You, yeah and, you, and you're the board uh, of Sparrow. So just thinking about how you divide your time across all of those because obviously running one company is hard enough and so mm-hmm. you mentioned you're doing a bit more in winter so yeah how do you divide your time yeah the the cost of uh, mental switching is is high for sure it's it's not a path i would recommend to most people uh, but yeah i mean here 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 i am i mean spira was kind of like the first one i built and then added on cxl and i was in two boats until Spiro was uh, standing on its own, and now same with same with Winter. So at CXL, I have strong, let's call it middle management, uh, functional heads, people who are on product, marketing, operations, and so the day-to-day involvement on my part is is much less. I'm more like strategy and and recruitment, which is what you know any CEO does thirty percent of the time. Uh, and but in Winter, which is an early stage startup. I mean, I, I, I do, I run the support and I type up the newsletter and I close deals and, you know, so I'm the cook, chef, cleaner, bouncer. Yep. It's, uh, I, I mean, personally as a, as a founder, I kind of love the, those stages in the, the early stages when mm. you're kind of doing everything, uh, mm. you get to, I mean, you're speaking to the customers, you're learning from them, like what they like, what they don't like about the product, both through the sales and, you know, customer support. And, yeah. Doing social media, I remember the first years of, of SaaStock quite fondly, uh, and it's very different now. You, you know, seven years uh, uh, down the line, and uh, mm-hmm. uh, but I do like you, you know when people leave the company, and they do for you know uh, usually kind of like good reasons because they're progressing. They've been they've done a tour of duty for a couple of years, and they get poached to go somewhere else, or they're taking the next step in their career. Often because I have the you know, most well-rounded kind of knowledge of, you know, every department within the business, I find myself in the the seat temporarily and then sure. kind of doing, you know, doing something else. And uh, Absolutely, you know, very familiar be, with that. Yep. Yeah, 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 it can be enjoyable. But so, so look, so your, your B2B strategy uh, right now is one of the uh, the key focuses. And with Winter a lot, uh, you know, uh, you, you, you work on and, and talk about and help, you know, customers around B2B messaging. Um, you know, which is uh, which is obviously very uh, important. But what are some of the main problems you see with SaaS companies and their messaging uh, today? Mm-hmm. Well, in order to to talk about the problems, we have to acknowledge the, the new reality that we're in. So the the explosion of technology, you know, uh, that's caused by you know, tech getting cheaper. Uh, us going uh, remote and access to global talent, uh, more VC money than ever before. All these things have resulted in an explosion of tech companies. So if we compare 20, you know, 2012 to 2022, 10 years, in 20, 10 years, we have now like 50 times more SaaS companies, uh, tech companies. And of course, that means that you don't have one, two direct competitors. You have 100 direct competitors you know the bigger the market the more direct competitors you have if you look you know go to g2 there are 500 crms you know like 450 marketing automation tools and so understanding that this is the context you would think that companies try real hard 
to differentiate and stand out and give reasons why choose us. Yet, that's not happening. So you, you go to any uh, random I don't know, email marketing company's website and they say, send beautiful email newsletters, which is like, well, every single one of your 450 competitors <laughs> enables you to do this very same thing. So that is, that is the key problem. So companies speak about themselves as if they're the only one doing what they're doing. And that's, of course, far from reality. And and this is where I guess, or or, or is it um, where maybe the category creation has come from uh, a little bit to help this the different positioning? I think the example um, I, I believe I read from your uh, newsletter around drift, for instance. You know, they came in, they came in, you know, into a very crowded market, uh, but said, "Hey, look, we're doing." And I don't know if they did it straight away, but hey, we're doing conversational marketing. And this was something different, and we're working in this specific category. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then this is from a messaging perspective, uh, you know, I guess kind of how to cut through the noise, right? And I think they did it really well. Um, exactly right. Yeah. yeah. So category creation. I think an easier way to think about it is it's like radical differentiation. It's a form yeah. of differentiation. Yeah. No, we're not that. We're this other thing. Yeah. And suddenly, it's easier to stand out because you change you change the conversation. Um, in Drift's case, you know, if you want to push new lingo, new terminology, uh, tell a new story, of course, it takes takes a lot of money. Yeah. Know, so, so that people would adapt it and say, yeah, it is a different thing. Um, of course, in category creation, there is no one true objective definition of what it is. Because if if you um, if you read the book Category Creation by the Gainsight guys uh, who created Customer Success as a category. Yeah. They, their point of view is that it's not a category unless there's a bunch of players in there. Like we're all doing customer success. Yeah. Or yeah. like ABM as a as a new category. There are a lot of ABM tools out there. Yeah. Whereas if you look, you know, read Christopher Lockhead and these category pirates dudes, they say, no, like that's not necessary at all. If you're the only one doing what you're doing, as a you know, being radically different, that's that's a new category. You're you're a different kind type of beast. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, interesting. Yeah, the play bigger. I think I think I read play bigger a while back. So yeah, to to that point, I think it kind of makes sense in terms of creating a category because you want to stand out from the noise and get out of that mm-hmm. crowded market. But then, as exactly you say, right. with games, yeah. like saying, "Well, it's not a category." You, you, I would guess somebody has to create the category, right? Got to be that first company. And Kane site created is a customer success. But what they want is not necessarily to stand out from the noise, but to, to create this movement around customer success and be exactly the kind right. of pioneers so of the movement, right? You you evangelize the category, the new idea, yeah, uh, like similar to what Gong was doing, like you know, with their call recording uh, revenue intelligence. I mean, yeah. category name. I mean, yeah. every category name sounds stupid before it gets popular. And yeah. Now it's now that it's popular, it's like oh, revenue intelligence. Sure, I know what yeah. it is. Again, how much money did it take? How much VC money was pumped into Gong? I mean, insane yeah. amounts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. if you're a bootstrapped company, a startup, you know, like you, you gotta be, be really realistic about what's possible. You you can't throw ten conferences a year and produce seventeen podcasts and whatever. Yeah. So, in that case, I would I would say that radical differentiation differentiation is is still something to pursue. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you might not be able to create an ecosystem around you, but you can certainly speak about yourself in different terms than, you know, most companies in the market. 
Yeah. So I guess outside of then like building on that, outside of category creation, which is probably more suited, as I'm hearing, to the big VC-backed companies, mm-hmm. um, outside of that, what other things can companies do to differentiate uh, with their messaging? Well, the easiest ways is that you you zoom in on a particular niche or an audience, and that audience doesn't even need to be uh, necessarily tiny. So, like case in point, Clavio, which is like valued over ten billion, right? Which is email marketing, which was a big established category when they launched for e-commerce, and just e-commerce got huge, you know, way huger than it is it was like ten years ago. Or uh, same with Gorgeous when they entered customer support help desk space i mean zendesk was big and uh so it seemed like there's no room but hey they said hey e-commerce is underserved where support help desk for e-commerce became significantly big so that that's one way to do it or another case in email marketing is uh convert kit saying that we're for content creators you know musicians writers bloggers authors etc and so why is that an opportunity is, is you need to understand the category leaders. Like everybody has big pressure to grow, especially if they're VC back, then, you know, the VCs expect hundred percent year over year or whatever. And so if they need to grow hundred percent and if they're already at a hundred million, they need to find another hundred million. So your niche that you're focused on, that's not going to bring them the hundred million dollar growth. They're going to ignore it. And that's your opportunity as, as a startup. You go for a, smaller segment that might still be big enough for you to have a you know a nice life and a, you know desirable outcome so that's one way you start with a specific audience second is you might have a, a different take on on the use case you know so in the case of what i'm doing with winter is for instance you know user research and customer research have been around you know since the early days consumer research uh, so many tools, an insane amount of tools, like in, in any saturated category, but nobody's doing quite what we're doing. Like we're focused on testing and your uh, your messaging, your narrative, your positioning, and nobody is focused on that particular use case in the bigger s- space of you know market research or or consumer research. So that's uh, that's another way to find an interesting opening. And of course, down the line, you can expand out. You can like. Be happy and get to 10 million as a, as a like a milestone where you're like decently big that you have some marketing muscle, uh, a small brand, and then you can expand out. That's this is if you take a cars example, this is what Kia did, you know, like in the 1990s, subcompact cars, cheap, crappy cars, you know, starting nibbling away at Toyota's market share. And Toyota didn't fight it because it was a low margin, low, low profit market segment. You know, fast forward 20 years, Kia is eating Toyota's lunch in all the segments now. No, it's a good a good example. Can you give, like, in terms of the customers that you work with, and you don't necessarily need to uh, say a name, but maybe a bit of a case study in terms of how you work with them, testing the messaging, you mm. know, what, what it looks like from when you start to the, the kind of the outcome and you know, maybe some mm. kind of insights and lessons we can get from that. So there are, you know, typical outcomes and then there are like uh, out of the you know huge huge outcomes you know so of course uh, i would love everyone to have um, you know massive outcomes every single time 
uh, I would say a typical customer experience is that they're able to increase their conversion rate, you know, like 15, 20%, which depending on the scale of your business might be significant amount of additional millions per year. I mean, we're, we're mainly catering to, you know, B2B SaaS companies doing a minimum of 10 million a year. But like, you know, if I look at our, most of our customers, most of our revenue comes for customers that are north of 100 million a year. And it's interesting that in our marketing, we're going kind of after the challenger brands, people who are taking on the category leaders, but the category leaders are the biggest use of winter, which is kind of ironic. Uh, but to talk about some like outsized results. So there's this B2B SaaS uh, company who, like many, um, let's say, uh, smaller startups is looking, uh, searching for the right way to position themselves. So how how do we fit our features and capabilities in the right context so it hits the right pain point uh, and, and communicates the value. So one company was testing various kinds of uh, like, how do we communicate what we are, you know, and which, which pain point will we solve for what type of companies. And so do doing buyer intelligence service, basically serving your target buyers about their pains and, and desired gains, and then just testing their messaging on the homepage landed on a positioning angle that enabled them to increase their pricing by 10 times because they found a problem um, that they could they were already solving that, that they really attached themselves onto that was so much more valuable for companies that they had ever ever thought and of course that was uh, you know increased pricing increased profits uh, so that that's like a like a huge outcome awesome well th thanks for sharing that and you're kind of flipping from messaging to cold emailing which is always a bit of a I, mm. I think like contentious topic we're often having you know internal discussions and you know the kind of various teams about oh you know should we be cold emailing or not and we have guests on you know the podcast or the workshops that we do with our, our SAS founder members who you know some say well like you know absolutely you shouldn't be doing cold emailing and then some say no you absolutely should so where do you where do you stand on it you know, what is the value of cold e email as, as you see? And then, yeah, tell us a little bit about the state of cold email marketing. And then maybe we can talk into about if people should be doing it, how should they be doing it? Sure. Yeah, I mean, uh, I'm annoyed by crappy cold email as much as anyone, right? So it's, it's and it's very easy to be, uh, sit on the high horse and say, no, inbound only. But like look at the biggest tech companies and you know 90 percent of these are b2b companies b2b SaaS. all of them have become huge thanks to outbound sales all of them every single one of them uh now of course that they're big and they have a big brand they have a decent amount of uh like an insane amount of in, in, inbound uh, lead flow but outbound sales is is how big companies get built so whether we like it or not it it, it works it's gotten of course much harder than it was, especially if we talk about outbound. Uh, cold calling is also plays a big role. And if you if you cold call into construction, you know you can get the CEO on the phone and you talk for an hour and you be, become best friends. Whereas in tech, if you call to cold call into SaaS, you get yelled at, you get abused. It's like it's just a nasty. You need like eight hundred dials for a sing, you know to connect through. So. And because and SaaS people have been spoiled by this uh, inbound thing, right? That being said, cold email still works. I think the only thing is like the, the 
bulk untargeted same email to a million people, that doesn't work anymore. I mean, it, it's all a numbers game. So technically it could work for somebody, but it's just infinitely more successful if if the the message is good in those emails. It's, it's targeted, it's relevant, and so on and so forth. And it doesn't need to be necessarily tailored on a one-by-one -one cases because uh, the math there, you know, if you take 30 minutes to craft each email, it just doesn't work out because it's still a numbers game to an extent. So um, tailoring it based on, uh, you know, let's say uh, based on an ICP, uh, like a type of buyer, a certain type of customer, that that level of uh, personalizing templates. So really the cold email will work if it's great. If it talks about the very problem that I have, that I'm actively trying to solve, it's a big recognized, big perceived problem and you're offering to solve it for me, it's it's fairly effective. Um, why most cold email sucks is it's it doesn't talk about things that are relevant to me. Either the targeting is off or the, the email is very generic, you know, like, <laughs> oh, do you need the SEO package? Yeah, no, no, no. Uh, I, think, I, th I think definitely hit the hit the nail on the, on the head there. And I think we've seen that shift over the last few years and, and, and effectively to get cold emailing working to really kind of tailor you, you need to, I think, um, I don't know if you've heard of a guy called Matt Lerner, uh, before on he, sure. um, yeah, 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 you know, Matt and he, he did, I think there was a blog post I read called, uh, founder language fit. Um, and yeah, it's kind of like right. Thinking about like your, um, you, you know, persona in this case, the founder, and writing in the language that, uh, you know, this email, I guess, or, you know, or the marketing mm -hmm. or the blog post that they'll be thinking about kind of getting into their head. And then, you you know, that email, that blog post lands, they see it and it's exactly how they're thinking and feeling, you, you know, the language that they would be using. Uh, and, and with that, that kind of really kind of resonates. Um, so. Right. So I call that message market fit. So your target yeah. market and yeah. the way you find out what the language, I mean, yes, you could spend if you had infinite amount of time you can spend all yeah. the time interviewing people and reading what they say and they're like but realistically very few people have that kind of time available so if you want want that data you know fast without spending too much time that's always you know you pay money and you get this data so yeah that's what it's an umbrella of what i call buyer intelligence yeah you can do buyer intelligence service meaning that you send out asynchronous um, surveys to your target buyers and you ask them questions. Hey, these are the seven problems we saw. Which one of these is most important to you? Or this, out of all these problems, which one is, um, is, the, is the, are you least happy? Um, were you least happy with your ability to solve it right now? So you find a high importance, low satisfaction currently issue, and that's a high high priority item and or you you survey them about you know what's in your kpis what's in your quarterly goals things like that and then you can put that very language in your cold email also on your you know website and so on so you know obviously with winter you can do that you just pay money and boom you get the responses in 24 hours there are other ways to do this uh as well uh but th that's so the way i think about it is is we're playing chess you know, uh, in the market. So classical way to think about chess is like, I make a move, you make a move. And, and then uh, I learn something and then I, see, I put something out there and see what happens. And, you know, and so 
And that's, that's an outdated model. And like if we would play chess and you would make two moves every time I make one move, you would beat me every single time. I might be five times better player, but if you, if you can make two moves, you, you, you kick my ass every single time. And so that's what buyer intelligence, the data enables you to do. You, the, the classical build measure uh, learn loop you know, takes weeks or months to learn the feedback loops. If you can shrink that feedback loop into a day, you know, you can produce so much better email content, website content. You can learn so much faster than everybody else on the market, um, you know, and get better response rate, conversion rates, et cetera. Yep. No, it definitely sound, sounds good. We could do a bit of, uh, with a bit of that buyer intelligence, I'm sure uh, everybody, um, uh, every company could. So, uh, what do, in terms of the cold email, just the last bit on that, uh, just around like, tech stack platforms on, on cold email is there anything that you would necessarily recommend or that you kind of personally use for that or, or does it really matter what the technology is it's more about you know um, the language and so on yeah for sending cold email uh well i mean it's a super rich ecosystem right and it really depends on on how big you are what is your sales team uh like all that stuff for like um you know, uh, if you're bigger, bigger scale outreach, you know, if, if you're uh, smaller scale, SMB, um, uh, you know, there's, uh, there's Lemlist, uh, uh, there's, uh, um, uh, we've been, we, we were at CXL, we were using that, uh, by Sujan, but that Mailshake, Mailshake, okay. you know, works yeah, yeah, great. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, there's those tools. I want to say uh, very similar to each other, you know, Lasha yeah. and well, you know, yeah, yeah. Also, all doing. I mean, Sujan seems to be. I know so Sujan. He's been on the podcast and at Sastock a few times. I don't know how Mailshake is doing. Lemlist seems to be doing, you know, really well. Uh, and obviously, Outreach. Uh, uh, I mean, uh, a huge company uh, now. So even to say from the the similar technologies, and I, I don't know. I'm sure it's they're they're not kind of simple, but. Uh, uh, it's definitely seeing from that kind of, let's say, cold email technology that you can build unicorns and very successful SaaS companies uh, as well. Um, regarding, we're talking about marketing and SaaS. Like, what do you think is the hardest thing? I mean, uh, I don't know if this is an easy, easy question, but the hardest thing about marketing in SaaS today? Hmm. It's taking on category giants. So the way I think about it is, and this is this is not... This is not my fantasy. This is this is like this is what the data says about how the world works. In every category, there are the category. There's the category king, and then the other, you know, next next two big guys. And so they they have 80, 90 percent of the mind share, of the SEO backlinks, uh, of the word of mouth, and all those things. So that's all going against you. So in in in, in advertising. If you're a known brand, that's like up to an 18x multiplier on the effectiveness of that. So if you're Nike, you can even run crappy ads. It still works. And if, if you're a small brand, you just need to put out five, ten times better creative, better copy, better website. You need to do everything so much better to even have a chance at competing against these big guys. So a lot of companies are... Hey, let's see what HubSpot does, or where you know who named that category leader, right? What are they doing? Let's do the same thing. Well, no, if you do the same thing, HubSpot will kick your ass every single time. 
So you you just you need to be way better uh, to even have a fighting chance. Um, so so that that's one challenge, and and, um, and building mental availability. So ninety five percent of the mar- buyers out there are not looking for you; they're out of market. That means that most of your marketing efforts should go towards that person to build mental availability, which means that once they have a need and a budget or a friend asks them for a recommendation, they think of you, you know, for, for a cer- certain use case or a certain job to be done. And, and so most of your marketing should be cultivating that. What, what is my company for? When do you use it? So next time they have that, oh, which tool should we use? Boom. You know, category leaders are always in people's consideration set. How do you get in there? So that that that's what I would, and that's hard to do because it takes, you know, can take a lot of money. Uh, if you don't have a lot of money today as a B2B SaaS company, I mean, I would hope all over social media, like you can have a lot of reach on LinkedIn. Uh, I mean, I generate 90% of my pipeline on LinkedIn okay. today. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Ninety uh, percent. That's that's very strong. Um, what about from podcasts? How much uh, pipeline would you generate from that? <laughs> it's 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 hard. It's hard to quantify, as you know. Like the the metrics yeah. there are, are murky at best. Uh, and what I find is that I mean, any LinkedIn post I make gets more reach than a, a podcast episode. Yeah. Uh, and and it's infinitely easier to produce a LinkedIn post than and podcast. So. Podcasts are hard to grow, and that's the same thing that everybody and their mother is listening to Tim Ferriss's podcast, and then there are you know thousand these tiny podcasts. Yeah. I mean, my podcast is, is is decent, decent size, meaning uh, I want to say it's like ten thousand downloads um, uh, a month, uh, but you know in the global you know, that's like nothing, right? Like yeah. It's, yeah. It's, it's, Maybe it's a top twenty percent in the world, but <laughs> it's not like my first million that gets like a million downloads per episode, right? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So th- I think it's a long game. The way I think it's just another. I want to build mental availability, so I want to have as many things going on out there that remind people of me. Yeah. So, and the point is not that this is direct response to buy, 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 but it's rather I'm reminded that I exist, and that goes a long way. So that that's why I send a newsletter, not that hey, come and buy my shit, but reminder, I exist. This is what you use winter for, you know, and all the things that we do uh, that I do, you know, it, it's, I come from that mental availability, you know, point of view. Awesome. You'll you'll be speaking at SaaS.remote, Remote, the first SaaS conference that we've had you speak at, uh, which I'm delighted. It's an online conference on the 22nd and the 23rd of March. Um, what will you, you're speaking on the 22nd, uh, I, I believe specifically, what will you be speaking about? Um, you know, why should people attend your talk? Yeah, I'll be speaking specifically about how to compete in a saturated category. What are the key strategies to pursue if, if you're a marketing automation tool or a CRM taking on HubSpot? Like how can you carve out your, you know, your, your share of the market? Awesome. Well, I'm looking forward to that. Um, uh, I mean, I'll be, I'll be hosting. So the good job about being the host, and especially at an online conference, is I get to watch all the content, which if I was in person, I never get to see all the conference content because I'm generally being pulled left and right. And uh, it's always been one of my, right. not to say like regrets, but when we've been doing SaaS talk in Dublin, you know, I kind of have my, my you know, 
program planned out. I want to sit there and I want to watch all these great talks, but I never get to see anything. Uh, but with online, it's definitely one of the benefits. But uh, but thanks so much for for taking your time to speak at SaaS.remote. We're also, I mean, I should know because we're putting this out before SaaS.remote. Um, you, you know, and we we started discussing actually before uh, we started recording that you you know we're obviously feeling you know a little bit saddened by the events that are happening you know mm. kind of uh, with Russia and Ukraine at the moment the the, the invasion of Ukraine by by Russia um, uh, Sastock uh, you, you know where we've put together and uh, I think launched today you know a campaign the SAS supports Ukraine and saying that we stand with Ukraine uh, we'll be running you know through until we kind of have to. Uh, uh, you know, and at the conference itself, you know, kind of tied in uh, a campaign to kind of help try and get SAS founders to donate to the Ukrainian Humanitarian Fund. Uh, and we also asked those kind of listening, uh, you know, to check out the, the SAS supports uh, campaign um, and, 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 and donate if you can. And I, I believe everybody can donate something. Uh, and also, uh, I, you know, I asked a Ukrainian entrepreneur, you know, what can we do? Uh, as well. Uh, and, you know, he just asked everybody to really kind of help, you know, share the truth about what's going on, support Ukraine, you know, use your platforms on social to to, to do uh, as such, uh, and really to kind of help, uh, you know, spread awareness about what's happening. And um, uh, yeah, so just wanted to kind of throw that uh, uh, in there. Um, well, look, Pep, where, where can people find you uh, online? Um yeah, LinkedIn and Twitter. I mean, nobody else has this kind of a name, so yeah, cool me. Good stuff. Well, thank you so much. I uh, really appreciate your time. Um, looking forward to uh, listening to your talk uh, on the 22nd of March. Uh, Pep Player, uh, CEO of Winter. Thanks for being a great guest on the SaaS Revolution Show. Thanks, Alex. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the SaaS Revolution Show. I hope you enjoyed it. And if you learned something from it, check out sasdoc.com forward slash events to find all the upcoming SaaS Doc conferences around the world.